0: Welcome to the Convene podcast. I'm your host, Ashley milne In this podcast, we're talking to Josh Packard. He's a sociology professor, and his research looks at the decline in institutional participation. These days, he's thinking about the meetings industry and how it can thrive in the future.
1: This decline of institutional engagement, the changing nature of the workforce, the lowering levels of trust, those are not things that the meetings and events industry caused. But there are absolutely things that they have to respond to if they're going to remain successful moving into the 21st century.
0: Coming up, keeping attendees engaged in a fast-changing world. Convene magazine is published by PCMA, the Professional Convention Management Association, and it offers fresh perspectives on meetings and events. You can find Convene online at pcmaconvene.org. Josh Packard never expected to be involved with the meetings industry, He's a sociology professor at the University of Northern Colorado. And his research looks at why Americans stop going to church or being involved in other social activities, everything from joining the PTA to taking part in local politics. He got involved in the meetings world more recently when he realised there's a lot of overlap between conferences and these other groups that bring people together. I asked him to give me a bit of background on all this. He started by bringing up a well known book.
1: Years ago, the sociologist Robert Putnam wrote a book, book called Bowling Alone about you know, how people were increasingly disengaged from one another as individuals because they weren't joining these social groups and, and sort of thinking about what happens to America when we stop having that sense of individual connection with people. You know, in, in many ways, this is sort of well, what happens to those organizations, you know, 20 years after people stop joining them, because it's, it's not just with churches, it's, it's across the board. Uh, people, by and large, don't trust their large institutions to, to do much for them. Um, and so they're, they're sort of choosing alternative ways of, of getting together and doing things. They're, they're, not, they're not filtering their lives through the lens of, of these major social institutions like they used to.
0: Yeah, well, I was gonna I was gonna say, what did you find out about the reasons for some of this attrition? I mean, particularly I'm particularly curious with church.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, so the big thing that happens is that you know we've we've moved into this society that's driven by interaction. Um, it, it is immersive. Uh, we, we are constantly in contact with one another. We, we don't necessarily know each other all that well, but social media gives us this platform to engage with one another, and church just seems to. be, not that um, you know, in, in so many ways, both in terms of the actual substance, where it's, it's uh, church is often presented to people, regardless of where you're at, at the theological spectrum, as here's this place that has all the answers, and you come to learn those answers. And if you don't like those answers, then you can go someplace else, but the pattern is still the same. You're just learning a different set of answers. But there's no engagement. There's no interaction. There's no participation. There's no sense that that place would be any different if you hadn't shown up that week. Now that is increasingly inconsistent with the rest of our lives.
0: He says the situation is similar in the meetings industry. People want to be talked at less and to have more interaction with one another to share ideas and perspectives, which he says isn't happening much.
1: Often, when I'll talk to the, when I talk at, at meetings and to industry professionals, I, I'll show this picture of a few a few people sitting in in this very large church, so it feels very empty. And I'll make the point that that picture for me looks the same as the next picture that I show, which is a picture of um, it's a conference and, and there's nobody in the seats at all. There's just five people up on the platform, you know, sitting around the table where they're about to present, you know, whatever it is that they're going to present. I'm like, these, these pictures are the same. In both cases, you've got institutions which are increasingly struggling to get uh, members, especially very active and engaged members. And uh, you've got a social structure which also doesn't facilitate them coming out of obligation anymore.
0: That social structure he's talking about? Well, traditionally, people who go to conferences are going on their company's dime. But these days, about a third of Americans are contract workers or freelancers. And that number is set to go up in the next 10 years.
1: And what that means is that you've got All those people who are being sent to all these conferences and meetings and, and events by their employers, well, they're not going to have employers to send them. So what you're offering in return to them for their investment has really got to be worth it because they're taking money out of their own pockets to go if they're going to go for professional development.
0: That's certainly true of me as a freelancer. I think long and hard about what I'm going to get out of a conference before I book it. You know, you're looking at travel to get there, hotel and the conference and food. It's a lot of money.
1: Yeah. So I had asked myself that hard question when I got a little bit into this. I was like, which of my academic conferences would I go to if they weren't paid for, you know, through research funds? And I was like, oh, you you know, maybe one of them, maybe one of them, and maybe not even that one every year. And that was a, a hard reality to come to.
0: He did go to a conference recently. It reinforced his belief that organisers have a lot of work to do in the coming years to keep pulling people in.
1: There's a conference that I was just at for some, uh, a couple of guys who do a podcast and, and they had managed to convert that into, into live events and um, attracted this really diverse audience who, the only thing that, you know, that there's no reason why those people would have ever come into contact with each other except that they were there to see this, they were there at this event. And for a day and a half, all they did was talk talked from the stage and what could have been it really just could have been another podcast that I was listening to except I was I had to sit in this in a seat and listen to it And I had to find childcare for two days so I could listen to it and I had to pay a whole bunch of money so I could listen to it so it wasn't a, you know it wasn't particularly ideal and I had this conversation with one of their with one of their associates afterwards and they said yeah well they're really clear about what their brand is and they want to control that brand and I said well this sounds like a lot of meetings that I've been to what they miss is that they aren't the brand their audience is the brand. Like I, I'll never, I can listen to their stuff whenever I want to listen to their stuff. And I can, you know, it's just like professional development. We can download whatever we want from the internet. You can hear almost any speaker that you want to hear, uh, you know, in a TED Talk or, or somewhere else. The thing that you cannot get, and what these guys uh, didn't quite understand it seems, is that the real brand was in bringing those people together. Getting them to connect to one another around problems and shared experiences and beginning to solve those things.
0: Well, in what what form does that take, though? I mean, does that just mean the traditional breakout sessions at conferences where a bunch of you go into one room and, and have more interactive sessions or what? What do you mean by that?
1: I mean some of the details there are still definitely going to have to be worked out and that's what it's going to take you know industry and events professionals to 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 try and figure out I mean what does it mean to get people to interact and engage more the but I think that there are some good starts that we can learn from some of the more innovative places that are both inside and outside of that industry that are trying it you know I mean what what would it look like to have your speakers sit in the round or to have your to have your breakout sessions sit in the round instead of sitting with everybody facing, you know, facing straight ahead or sitting at tables to facilitate a sort of group conversation. To hold your speakers accountable for for doing trainings that are actually interactive as opposed to to just a talking head.
0: He says organisers could provide training to conference goers ahead of time.
1: To help them understand what it means to truly learn something and how this conference is going to be different. So that way they don't walk in and see a different format and think, oh, my goodness, I hate all this because it's new. You know, new is hard, um, but not if it's been primed.
0: He says instead of people filing into a hotel ballroom to listen to experts hold forth, how about providing the lecture component online first? Then attendees show up to thrash through those ideas together.
1: You know, if you could get speakers to condense their message down to a few bite-sized chunks and, and sort of flip that, that thing where you could watch all this stuff beforehand, but you knew that the meat of the meat of the conference was going to be that you were going to get to get in a room with people who also resonated with that same message and were primed and ready to talk about it. If I was running a business or trying to get professional development, I would I would gain a whole lot more out of that interaction than I would from, you know, basically something I could I could read or, or watch, uh, you know, in, in, in this very isolated
0: experience. The experience of staring at a lone speaker intoning from a podium. He says it may take a while for these kinds of scenarios to play out but he says if they don't, the industry is in danger of losing attendees, just as many churches have dwindling congregations.
1: You know, I know that listening to some dude who studied a bunch of churches talk to you about an industry that's not religion can seem like maybe that the, the applications are hard to make. I would just point out that there's a lot of really good reasons for paying attention to the forces that are going on in our world outside of your industry. And and the biggest and chief among those is that If we know the kinds of things that every industry is facing, then we get a better sense for what problems we're experiencing that are uniquely our own and and we can respond to by making internal changes, you know, hiring the right people or or changing the format a little bit. And which problems are we facing that are society-wide problems uh, or issues? And, And those things are not really things that you can fix. And, and maybe not even be things that you want to fix, but they are things that you have to respond to. And I think that that's where we're at with this. This, this decline of institutional engagement, the changing nature of the workforce, the lowering levels of trust, those are not things that the meetings and events industry caused, but they're absolutely things that they have to respond to if they're going to remain successful, you know, moving into the 21st century.
0: Josh Packard. He directs the Social Research Lab at the University of Northern Colorado. That's the Convene podcast for this time. We'd love to hear any feedback you have on the show. You can write to us at convenepodcast at pcma.org. There'll be another show soon. I'm Ashley milne Thanks for listening.